The Money Show. Ad feature with Andy Rice. Andy Rice is our branding and marketing and advertising guru. This idea of cultural association, Andy Rice. What is cultural association compared to cultural appropriation? Is one okay and one's not? Uh, yeah, hello, Bruce. I'd, I'd say that's a good summary. One is okay and one is not. The one that's okay is, is cultural um, association and the one that is less good and is the reason why uh, it's on the list because it's in the news again tonight is cultural appropriation. Well, just to make sure that we understand what these are, I'm just going to read you a, a, a three-line definition of cultural appropriation because that's what we're the, 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 the people out there are concerned that we're moving towards. And it says, cultural appropriation is the inappropriate or unacknowledged adoption of an element or elements of one culture or, or identity by members of another culture or identity. This can be controversial when members of a dominant culture appropriate from minority cultures. So how does it apply to branding? Well, it applies to brands because of the associations they deliberately create with certain cultures um, and, and uh, may find that sometime down the road it bites them in the bum. And the, the one that's been in the, in the media the most recently concerns the um, iconography surrounding the Native American Indian culture, um, which, if one goes back um, a, a good few years, will have been very different to what it is today. Um, and the brands that, the examples that, that have uh, encountered this obstacle most recently is the um, celebrated uh, British rugby club called the Exeter Chiefs and their visual identity consisted of a profile of a Native American Indian leader with all of the traditional iconography that goes with that, the, the headdress and the tomahawks and those kind of things. But it's been felt now that this is an inappropriate um, uh, example to use, of, of the inappropriate iconography to use, in much the same way that, that we um, spoke before about the um, spur steak ranches also playing down their visual identity of, of American Indian culture. And in the United States, where I suppose it ought to be slightly different because that's obviously where the culture of the American Native Indian grew up, um, they, uh, they've had to actually changed names of, of certain sports clubs there. So the Redskins from uh, Washington, the American football team called the Redskins, have changed their name and logo. And Cleveland's baseball team changed its name from the Indians to the Guardians. So uh, a cultural appropriation happens when uh, you, uh, what is essentially an acceptable tactic, which is cultural association, and that is where um, you say, well, I want my brand to be associated with this cultural icon, and therefore I will somehow incorporate the two together, which is what would have been done for the American uh, Indian, Native Indian uh, adoption by all of the brands I've just mentioned. But eventually, uh, the change in the zeitgeist, the change in the, uh, the views of society towards the particular brand being um, associated, uh, people are now saying that's not association any longer, it's appropriation. And it's appropriation, as that quote said, uh, by, particularly by one dominant culture over another. So Exeter Rugby Club have had to change their, their name and their, uh, and their, uh, their identity, not, not, that, not necessarily the name. Um, and a quote from the press release says that they will now uh, their logo, which which they'll be using from now on, um, 
draws inspiration from the Celtic iron Dumnoni tribe, which encompasses a unified area covering most of the southwest of, of England. It's, um, it's, it's just astonishing. Well as the, I mean, I, I, I can almost understand American teams and clubs and paying tribute and heritage and all of those sorts of things. But Exeter in the United Kingdom, honestly, really. Well, yeah, there, you will, of course, remember from this moment onwards that it's no longer the, the Chiefs with a Native American Indian Association, but the Chiefs with a Celtic Kingdom of Dumnonia, obviously just as, as clear in its association. Um, the, 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 the brand go by Dumnonia, right. It sounds like something out of Harry Potter or, or whatever, but uh, that's what they're chosen to do because they're trying to avoid cultural appropriation which um, I think you can avoid if you are, as a brand, sufficiently agile to keep your mind and your, your strategy around what, what was actually required and what the modern society will look for, rather than what might have been the case 30 or 40 years ago when you created the brand. But if, you, if the brand stays more or less stationary while society rolls on for 30 or 40 years, you are going to get to the point where it looks like appropriation rather than association. I, I have spoken to the new chief executive at Spur all about the iconography at Spur, and I, I'm, I'm I don't know what they what they how they're going to deal with it, um, but yeah, that, yeah, the Spur brand is fifty years old, and uh, the iconography is strong, um, uh, and so we'll see how they how they get themselves out of this cultural appropriation issue. Even Jeep, for example, with the Cherokee, for example, yes. um, is is under pressure to change there. Talk to me about heroes and zeros. Let's have a, a zero first, if we can. Okay, it's a kind of a blanket zero for, uh, for the marketing industry um, because today is the start of the Chinese New Year, the year of the tiger, the 1st of February. Um, and we've, we've left the year of the ox behind and we have now this much more uh, aggressive uh, and, and really very much more um, redolent with, with uh, um, imagery, which is the tiger, so the year of the tiger. And, of course, we've got the Winter Olympics starting in China at the end of uh, this week, I think, on Friday. So there's going to be a lot about, about China and China uh, events and China this and China that in the media. But I see no one looking at this from a bigger perspective. I see no brand saying, listen, there are nearly half a million people of Chinese descent in South Africa. We should be looking at them as a much more interesting target audience, given all of the uh, cultural symbolism and the uh, um, innovation that goes with the with the China brand name. I just think that we've we've kind of vanillaed out uh, the opportunities to to take a really rich and, and innovative culture and make and build some association rather than appropriation uh, around products and advertising. I'm just not seeing it. It's as if those half million don't exist. Well, let's have a hero then to improve the mood a little, shall we? Well, yes, that's great. I mean, the hero, and I imagine that you were um, on Sunday afternoon past, you were well glued to your your television set watching the heroics of Rafa Nadal um, against Medvedev. And um, sure enough, after that extraordinary match uh, on the Sunday afternoon, on uh, on Monday morning, I saw for the first time, but I'm sure it wasn't the first time it was, it was released, um, a celebratory... Uh, uh, video from Nike, one of uh, Rafa Nadal's sponsors, no doubt. And uh, not just for the speed with which Nike responded, because presumably they had a, a plan B if he'd lost, but also because of the um, just the simple creative idea. And I think we've got the audio of it. We most certainly do have a listen. 
Magnificent. And that was the next morning, was it, after his yep. tw- 21st Grand Slam? Well, that's when I first saw it. And I'm sure it had been on um, even even sooner than that, probably, no doubt, in, right immediately after the, the end of the match. But um, it's a very simple uh, production concept. It's just a, a piece of commentary drawn from, from all 20 um, of his previous victories, um, including the, those that were doubting whether he was going to go any further. Um, and, of course, sitting at 20 Grand Slams each for Djokovic, um, Federer and Nadal, it was, if you like, deuce. And that's what the, uh, the <laughs> caption comes up at the end of this. But so by standing out now with 21 against the other two, it's advantage Nadal. And that, again, is the, is the simple caption that comes up to, to take uh, Nadal on to his next um, when will that be? The US Open or something, I suppose, or Wimbledon. You always run the risk when you do something as clever and as timeless and as time-sensitive as this of being caught in the classic Dewey defeats Truman trap. 4th of November, 1948, Chicago Daily Tribune publishes a headline, Dewey defeats Truman. Harry Truman had won the US election. The Chicago Daily Tribune had run the headline that Dewey had defeated Truman. Uh, clearly a very close race in 1948. Um, but as a marketer, you don't want to be caught in that sort of trap, do you? You don't want to be that Dewey defeats Truman headline that plagues you for generations to come. Absolutely, and that's a very famous visual, isn't it, of, of Truman holding up the newspaper and, and you can read the headline on it. Um, yeah, I mean, imagine if you'd been a, a marketing executive keen to get your nose ahead of your competitors and decided at the end of a third set uh, in the tennis when uh, it looked impossible for Nadal to come back. You might have just pressed the go button and started running stuff that was congratulating Medvedev um, or commiserating with, with uh, Nadal, only to be completely embarrassed by the ultimate turn of events. Nike, I don't think we'll take that risk. No, they wouldn't have. Andy Rice, thank you very much indeed. Nike, the hero this week, the immediate celebration of Rafa Nadal's extraordinary achievement at the Australian Open. Um, of course, there'll be the Djokovic fans who say, well, he would never have done it to Djokovic being there. Well, that was Djokovic's choice. Uh, and then uh, the, the failure to capitalise on the Chinese New Year of the Tiger in South Africa. Brands not seeking to capitalise on that at all. Um, I know we're all smarting from the revelations by the SIU into PPE procurement fraud. And we should be furious and we should be demanding criminal sanction against those who essentially took advantage of the biggest health crisis in living history um, to profit. But bear this in mind, the UK, says Nick Norman-Smith, who is one of the investment guys that we talk to from time to time, uh, the UK blew three times South Africa's entire annual healthcare budget on overpriced or unsuitable PPE. 
Um, the government in the UK disclosed £8.7 billion pounds of losses on PPE. So what's that? Nine times, call it 20. Uh, yeah, that's 180 billion rand in the UK. Losses on PPE, personal protective equipment in the United Kingdom of 180 billion rand. We had significant losses on PPE in South Africa. Yes, we did. Uh, but it's always, and again, it's not to excuse the criminal activity and the malfeasance for a moment. But... Um, and they're not to excuse it for a moment, but it is interesting that even in a place of high governance standards with a highly functioning civil service, probably one of the finest civil services in the world, um, the crooks still manage to get past the goalie regularly um, uh, to the point of 180 billion rand. It's a, an astonishing uh, revelation coming out of the UK uh, this evening.